electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. The selling does look to resume after the biggest intraday Nasdaq comeback in about 14 years. A two-day Fed meeting begins. Got earnings from Verizon, GE, J&J. VIX still elevated, and Case Shiller home prices up 18.8. A roadmap begins with the ongoing market volatility after staging their biggest comebacks in years. Futures point to more declines at the open. Plus, we are focusing on the fundamentals. More than 100 companies in the S&P 500 will report this week with their results. In fact, J&J, Amex, 3M, to name a few, are out this morning. We're going to dig into those results. And we'll have the CEOs of both GE and Raytheon join us this hour to discuss their company's quarterly results. Got a bunch of upgrades this morning, Jim. You were just talking about how the analysts are a little yeah. jumpy on these buy ratings. Didn't want that. Uh, the two things I wanted to see were negativity, market come down, retest that low. And uh, analysts throwing in the tail as opposed to saying it's time to buy. Because when they have their list ready of companies that sell at 30, 40, 50 times sales, well, that's just once again an invitation to take your money and put it in the fireplace. We don't want that. What we really want are rock-solid companies that make things, make uh, money, and have typically dividends or buybacks. David, the stuff that's going down that's really leading us down uh, today remained technology stocks that we can't get a handle on. But today, no one seems to like the companies that report. I disagree with that. I think the companies that report are really showing the truth, which is that there's supply chain issues. And get your arms around it. If everybody has supply chain issues, then you know what, David, there's supply chain issues. Well, GE certainly has some supply chain supply issues. issues. They, they noted uh, they did come in. And again, we're going to talk to Larry Culp a half hour or so from now. So we'll get a lot more from that company. But, uh, you know, organic revenue was down, what, 2%, I think. Right. Uh, some had been looking for flats. One reason why the stock may be off a few percentage points. Um, and the fourth quarter as well, power aviation revenue below estimates, at least uh, from some analysts, margin shortfalls in healthcare and renewables. And they're also citing inflation in their own guidance right. for the coming year. Well, what I like about GE is, as the same thing I like about J&J, the companies that you see are not the companies that you're going to get. And we're going to speak into Greg Hayes later from Raytheon. When Greg split up United Technologies, the free company, he created $40 billion. So, I mean, yeah, you may say, well, this quarter of GE is not that good. But then think about next year. Maybe it's going to be uh, Raytheon. Maybe it's going to be what Greg Hayes did and that you had to buy it when it looked ugliest. And that's today, Carl. It looks ugly. Yeah. Uh, Raytheon guides below. Amex yeah. guides below. J&J revenue miss. I mean, there's a school of thought that says, why why come in with great guidance when the tape is clearly not going to exactly. reward Exactly. Why should American Express, which reported a monster quarter, Steve Squarey, I mean, 60% of those new cards were millennials. And, you know, they're doing, uh, they're growing, you know, they're growing at, say, 20%. Uh, why come out and say, look, this can continue forever? J&J, I mean, I happen to like J&J very much. Now, they have an orthopedic division, which, frankly, you don't go to the hospital if you have elective. Uh, they have a consumer 
consumer business that looked to be not as good as Procter, but then you talk to them about raw costs and you find out the Neutrogena couldn't make all the product they need. They certainly seem to have a better group of products than what Glaxo is trying to offload. And Pharma's fabulous. But people have decided that J&J is not good. J&J is probably up at the end of the day. Good so, so that guidance, that guidance to calculus, is that why IBM refused to discuss EPS? Well, IBM was difficult because while they, they said it was the best growth quarter in 20, uh, since 2011, and uh, they, people didn't like the cash flow on the quarter, the cash flow projections. A lot of people felt the margins weren't that good. But, David, I've got to tell you, uh, Arvind Krishnam is, is, has a better company than he did a year ago. Now, does that so? mean that? Yeah, I, I do think that. That doesn't mean it's not without its significant challenges, though, does it? Well, it does have significant challenges, but that's why it's at 130, not 180. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm saying, and this is you know kind of a step back for a moment, it's not like you're getting these companies at the high and they're disappointing. No, you're getting no. them really off. What's the what's the plan at IBM? You know, I've always it, uh, it's, it's funny because we see activism so often, and it's always struck me that IBM never attracted an activist. And no. the reason why is not because there wasn't potentially um, frustration but because nobody had a plan for how to actually figure out a way to create value, at least from an activist perspective. Well, well, it's true. I mean, so you read in the paper that Watson's been closed. Well, actually, no, just the healthcare part, which had a lot of hip issues. Uh, The artificial intelligence. All right, but they made a big deal of Watson and healthcare for a long time. that's the problem. A long time. I mean, I, went I, mean, up I to remember see getting Watson. presentations, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it was members in Astor Place. And it's like, wow, yes, this is exactly. exciting. And then you look into the HIP aspects. So you can't compile data. And people don't want you. But, David, here's a good example. IBM, target lower by UBS. So it goes 124 to 118. I don't think it's going to 118. I don't think that person's going to be able to be uh, requited in that. Jim Suva, whose work I like very much at City, he says, look, it's too early to predict IBM is turning the corner. I get that. IBM has broken a lot of hearts, David. Yes, it has. And no one wants to see their heart broken again. At the same time, they did buy Red Hat. Red Hat's growing very well. And Carl, when you look at IBM, it's to me, is another one of those companies where you just say, well, you get a good dividend, you're paid to wait, so why abandon it? At one point, it was up to 137. Well, that was wrong because people hadn't listened to the call. But again, are you coming in at 200? No, you're coming in at 130. So many of the companies I like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still working on 3M, but 3M was at 200. Now it's at, at 172 this morning, like with a 3.5% yield. You're not buying it at the high. Now, when you look at a lot of these software companies that are down, other than Snowflake, which is a company I like very much, I mean, you're buying a lot of these companies. It's like, well, I don't know. Were they ever worth what they were selling for? I think 3M, Mike Roman, maybe it's a turn. Maybe it's a turn. Maybe he's got something special for it's us. It's funny you mentioned Snowflake uh, Loop today, ups to buy, 370. We realize the stock trading at 25 times EV isn't cheap. Right. Um, however, quality names, in our experience, rarely let you in at a discount. Right. Well, Snowflake's the only one that I really like. It's down from 320 to 277. It's going to make money next year. But this is you're really making a bet. And this is something that's completely lost when you have the futures. There's a man by the name of Frank Slootman. And Frank Slootman uh, is, frankly, uh, Belichick. I mean, you know, now Belichick lost, David. I can hear you saying it. But the fact is, is that Belichick long-term is, has been good to bet with. And Sloop is Belichick, except for he's a tough Belichick. <laughs> They've got some things in common in the way they communicate. Do they both wear hoodies and, mm, live, in, just, and well, live in caves during the offseason? If you have a discussion with Sloopman, like I remember once I was asking him, I said, why do you have a cot? 
you're at the end of the quarter. And he goes, well, why wouldn't I have a pot? Where, where <laughs> else do you expect like, me to try and sleep? Yeah. I turn it. I read Slootman's book. Yes, I know. We, said it we to all me know and you did. I, I read it. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, listen, I read your book. And he goes, oh, wait, like, like, oh wow. OK, that's why I sent it to you. So, ooh. You know, he's not a glad hand. No, Slut. no, he sounds like he's a the cr- flying Dutchman. He went to Erasmus. People don't like realize that guy. Erasmus is a great school. Not and sure I'm not talking is. about the high school. David. You've been a big supporter of his from well, day one. Because he's made you money from everywhere one, he goes. And you continue to be. Well, I like uh, him. You've got, and as Carl, you've got some, uh, you got some uh, people joining you at least. Look, I think it's the, the only is, company. Even though it's not cheap, that it's no, worth buying. It's the only company that's by revs that I'm willing to recommend. The mm-hmm. only one. Now, there's, a, you know, there's 600 companies that I went over this weekend when the, they weren't playing, obviously. 600. And 600 to try to find five. Uh, five SPAC. Five. What were, you, uh, what were you looking at as the determining okay, metric so, that you uh, were actually? It had to be down uh, 50% from the high and sell for less than 50 times earnings. Okay. And there were a solid five. 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 Wow. Five out of 600. Five. Okay. And then I think there's a lot of companies that basically feel a lot like, um, remember some of the crazier names like in the 2000s? Of course. Of course I do. Well, they feel, feel like some of those. Yes. Webvan? It's too early. Theglobe.com? Too early. Oh. Uh, sock Puppet? Yeah, remember him? There's a lot of too earlys. Yeah. You know, T- these are TEs. I don't want to call them that. Yeah. Oh, that's a TE. KTEL? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That was a TE. Yeah. Remember when KTEL went to the internet? Remember oh, that yeah, one? We had a good time with that on Squawk Box. Who you on? Yeah. Yeah, and then there was a company called, there was a company, I'm not going to mention the name, it was probably get sued. Well, there was a company that had no business. And I said, well, that company's fraudulent. Yes. And then the SEC called me. And by the time was, the SEC a, had finished the investigation, that was different than the, now, the company though. was going out. Those had going companies out had no prospect of ever having any revenues whatsoever. No, those were. Refrigeration company that said it was going to be pre-revenue. involved in the internet. There, yeah. There's a pre revenue. I mean, that's different than now in, 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 in many ways. There are, right. you can find it in segments of our market, but it's right. not no, no, the I, market. No, it's better. I know that's it's better. better, but that doesn't mean I want to recommend them. Agreed. I don't want to come Agreed. on air and say, it's time to buy this. I mean, you know, I went on and said it was time to buy Rob Wiesenthal's company. Blade. Okay. Yeah. Blade. And immediately the uh, new, the <laughs> immediately the Hamptons, East Hampton, they closed their airport and the stock dropped like 30%. Now, here's a good example of what happened. So Rob emails me and says, hey, listen, don't forget. I mean, that was down for a little bit and now it's up. And But then I see that, well, sure enough, um, Kathy... Wood is blind buying it. Now, Kathy Wood is the way I like to think of it is that, okay, so it's overtime, right? Regulation's over. It's overtime. Uh, she wins the coin toss and um, she likes to kick. <laughs> she likes to kick. She likes to kick. Yes, but right, but not but actually really kick to run, run you want clock to receive. out. Yeah, oh, I see to, what you're saying. Yes. You don't want right. to kick, but right. she seems to be kicking a lot in those situations. Mm-hmm. And that to me, uh, you don't get the ball back. I, I, I was trying to come up with some neutral way to explain what she's doing. And she's she's winning the coin flip, and she's kicking. A lot of charts of uh, ARC versus Berkshire last few days as yeah. we get a date now for uh, for Woodstock for Capitalists yep. on the tape today. Well, and yeah. they're going to be in person. I mean, that listen, that the five-year is still fairly impressive, but you sure. do need to put it up versus the S&P and, or versus well, Berkshire just the, to get know, a sense. Well, it's the buying down, um, the buying down. No, it is. and It's, and it's, it's called a, a lack of don't discipline. Don't forget, we point this out many times because I've seen the story so many Ooh, times in the yeah. past where track record then brings in enormous inflows. Right. And everybody who came in a year ago is down 50%. 
Well, and so like, you've lost more money than you right. ever made because you didn't, you know, all the years leading up to that, you had a much smaller asset base. Right. I mean, you know, she had DraftKings and she came in in the mid 50s. And it's like, well, that's the end of DraftKings. And then it was the end of DraftKings. Uh, you know, we're all Caesars now. Now, I happen to like DraftKings. Uh, I think that the amount of betting in New York's great. But then again, New York is fleecing everybody. But I, I saw her in it. And Why is New York fleecing everybody? I'm oh, sorry. Because they get the big tax. They get the disposal of the assets. But it. look at Jason Robbins. He is doing his best. We have unbelievable teams that are playing in football. What, what was it, 35 million watched on Sunday? Is that the figure yes. for? Yes. And look at that. St- you know, that is a chart of people who are losing money. I haven't used my $1,000 credit yet, so i got to do that. If what? If well, you, the first bet. If, uh, you can make your first bet. Yeah, you well, you can get 1000 bucks back if yeah, you lose 1000 If he plays. If yeah. he plays, you get $1,000. I mean, no, no, no. I'm talking about if you're new to the platform. No, I'm saying the cost of acquisition is insane. Yes. And uh, you saw a win kind of drop back. But I just look I look at DraftKings, and I think they're unbelievably good. But it doesn't matter because they're, you got to make money. And people don't understand there's been this long period where you didn't need to make money. And now you do. And people hate that. I mean, these people, the mean people, when I, like, come after them, I said, look, I'm Jimmy Chill, but I'm coming after you. (laughs) All right? Jimmy Chill reserves the right to come after people who were coming after him but lost all their money. Okay. Right? Yes. I come to bury. So you don't, yeah. You've shown no, you you show no. uh, I have remorse. No, you show no remorse. Hey, with, You're going to just... With charity towards none and with malice toward all? <laughs> you know, Lincoln said that, didn't he? Yeah. Wasn't that what Lincoln said? Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Reverse are, it. But yeah. We're really? talking about it more and more. Uh, when we come back, a CEO doubleheader on this Earnings Tuesday. GE's Larry Culp and Raytheon's Greg Hayes, both later on this hour. Take a look at futures here. We'll get to a bunch of the other names we've not yet hit. Verizon and talk about what's on the line from Microsoft tonight. More Squawk on the Street straight ahead. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. There's no preordained route here um, connecting necessarily Fed policy with how you're doing, um, you know, in your mutual funds. They may diverge, they may not. Um, You know, at my firm, we're comfortable being long the indices and being short, you know, a lot of of kind of the craziness. Uh, I think that's still going to be kind of the way you want to be. I think you want to avoid a lot of the stuff that's still trading. At short seller Jim Chanos weighing in on the market environment yesterday on the half. Interesting thought, given that a lot of people believe there is a, the, the Fed is the overriding macro well, dynamic. I, I thought Jim was spot on. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you run. Like was, last time I was on a special with Scott, and there was one guest was talking. I said, geez, I just agree with that person. I mean, I know that we all feel the need, David, to be able to say, well, let me just explain how I. No, I mean, that's what I think. And it's okay. Right. It's okay. Well, it's prevailing wisdom that could be right. He's known, listen, as a short seller, obviously. And that but has, he likes you know, that's stops. a great. He does like certain stocks. It's a good marketing position to have to attract assets over a long period of time oh. to say you're a hedge against your other oh yeah your okay, other that, hedge funds. No, and by the way, on that note, smart. we should point out, I mean, last year and the year prior, given the pain that many hedge funds had in trying to short and not just the meme stocks, but a year right. ago, of course, this time we all know what happened with a handful of uh, hedge funds that were short GameStop, for mm-hmm. example. Many of them did did not they just stopped shorting. They just stopped really, Jim, having a hedge book to some extent. That's very And true. they suffered a lot in this first few weeks here as a result of that. And in fact, that may have been one of the reasons why we're seeing even more selling from them, taking the risk off in terms of them uh, selling what really were all longs because they, they weren't appropriately hedged because shorting has been so difficult the last couple of years. Well, I mean, I think the problem with shorting was that public was really in. I think the public, I think J.J. Kenyon was on last night. TD and he was talking about how public's pulling out. Uh, also said that on Friday, a lot of people can, uh, had uh, options that made it so that they had they own stock coming in yesterday, and they had to blow that out. Now, I, why am I supposed to think that that's? I look, I love the public. I, I mean, I, I always want the public to win, but if the public is really exiting and the shorts aren't shorting, well, then you should be looking for things to buy. Now, I said last night. Well, let's see, you got. Ukraine, you got uh, oil up. How about buying the oils? And people, are like, hmm, interesting idea. <laughs> but then, then other people say, Jim, that was last year's trade. I, I don't care about what year it was. It's a multi-year move, and last year wasn't even the beginning. I mean, you've got companies that will go up substantially if anything happens in Ukraine, uh, and if and if something doesn't, they still go up. So, I mean, why not look at those? What, just because they were, they've already had a rally? I mean, well, they it, did have a nice move just this yeah, year. But, Exxon's up 19% already this year. Well, but if, it, if everything gets brought down by the futures, you get a chance. It's, and it's not even the best. What are you looking oh, at? Oh, here we go again. Not even the best. What are you looking at? You I'm wore that done. last week. Yeah, I did. I'll I know. buy a couple new jackets. No, I got plenty. I just, I just don't. What do you like, dress in the dark? I dress here, yeah. Yeah. You don't like the, the blue and the black? Yeah. Uh, the the, you no know, one can see the pants way. anyway. Yeah, no yeah, one you can see Friday. that I'm wearing it's jeans. It's the same. He wore the same thing on Friday. No, I didn't wear the same. Yeah, they actually, did. No, they did. Right. I wore the time. same jacket. You're right. I respect the viewers. <laughs> I like your suit, by the way. I mean, it is more really? appropriate for My a different, time. This it's a different suit. time of year suit. My wife thinks this is a summer suit. Hey, in the middle yeah, of that's coming. what I just said. Yeah, spring is coming. Chauncey Gardner is going to be ready with the plants. Every time you violate, you may, you know, maybe we're missing Twitter at 30. Sorry, I was being mean. <laughs> probably too early to buy Twitter. Oh, I don't know. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I don't. I leave that to him. Yes. Take a look at futures in the pre-market here. About 10 minutes till the opening bell. We'll get Kramer's uh, mad dash as we count down uh, to the next few minutes. And we'll talk about uh, Ukraine, uh, some of these troops on alert, and whether or not the White House may weigh curbing some chip exports to Russia. Back in a minute. Every day. Thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Ukraine remains a major development for markets. Let's get to Kayla Tausche with some breaking news from the White House. Hi, Kayla. Hi, Carl. This morning, the White House detailing a wide range of severe economic measures being assembled uh, for a case where Ukraine was invaded uh, further by Vladimir Putin. Among the issues that are currently being discussed, uh, a novel set of export controls that specifically would be targeting uh, the ability of Russia uh, to use U.S. tools and software for production of items in the aerospace, defense, AI, and robotics space with senior administration officials saying the goal of such a policy uh, would be to essentially atrophy the production capabilities and the ability of Russia to diversify uh, its economy going forward. Uh, the, the U.S. is also discussing with allies and partners around the world a plan to bolster Europe's energy supply and to replace Russian exports of natural gas specifically uh, for a situation where some of those uh, some of that supply might be be cut off if, in fact, sanctions uh, cripple the ability of Russia to export that natural gas. The administration is currently discussing with natural gas companies uh, the rerouting of shipments from destinations around the world, from Africa to Asia to the Middle East, uh, to get those cargoes to Europe instead. And these officials said that some of those shipments uh, have already begun arriving in Europe. The belief is that Europe has enough natural gas in storage for at least a couple of weeks if there were an invasion and if sanctions did go into place uh, and that some of these shipments would then be able to supplement and to provide supply for Europe uh, after those supplies in storage currently uh, run out. Certainly, uh, these are contingency plans for a worst case scenario. The administration still hopes diplomacy will work. uh, And these are executive actions that the administration is taking in lieu of a broader sanctions package being agreed by Congress. Those negotiations are still underway. Back to you. Kayla, thank you. Kayla Tausche on uh, obviously something very important for the world's energy markets. The government's very fancy. Uh, not government's to mention other things. 50% of the energy is going to come from, uh, from Russia for Germany. They've decommissioned 83 plants. Uh, they're decommissioned decommission some nuclear plants right now. Uh, yeah. They've completely left without a plan. They have no plan whatsoever. That, uh, when it comes to the raw costs and, and the semiconductors, none of our companies can get them. So we're also going to drive them. I mean, uh, really, it's a very unconvincing well, argument. That goes to, it does go to your points about the energy transition and the transition. fact that the Germans didn't seem to allow for much of a transition. Well, the Greens um, did not want. Which we've talked about. And, and it's closing not sunny nuclear all plants the time. It's not like a, Philadelphia. It's a very curious decision. Uh, all right. Let's get to the mad dash, though. Can oh, we do that? Yes. Before? Because we also got an opening bell for you about four minutes from now as well. Yes, we have Cadence um, Bank, which is going to be very exciting. Let's talk a little NVIDIA for the Mad Dash. Can we do that? Yeah. Okay, so NVIDIA, uh, NVIDIA was trying to buy ARM. Yes, it was. And when it announced that, uh, it, it was, a lot of people thought dead in the water. 
But NVIDIA didn't think that. They were the only ones, though, Jim, it feels they, like. They were the they only were ones. They were sort this of not Aaron singularly Jim. focused on it and somehow thought everybody else was wrong. I agree with that. Okay. And that is hard because I like NVIDIA very much. But, you know, the stock's down 10. Now, you've got to be selling the stock down 10 every week, you know, now it's down a third from it, because you simply don't believe in any of the other products. Because if you're selling it down 10 because they're not going to get armed, By the way, we should fooled. point out the news what? is simply, uh, as I've got it right now, just reported by yeah. Bloomberg, saying that they're quietly preparing to abandon their purchase quietly. of ARM. We have not yet actually seen an official statement from NVIDIA right. or ARM saying that the, that the transaction is no longer enforced. But you raised the key point, which is that uh, it was... Stillborn. And yet they they continued and continued and continued to tell you that it was okay. And the more research you did, the more you realized that it just couldn't happen. So the idea of selling NVIDIA now because it's not going to happen, I mean, you better come up with a better reason to sell it because there are very few people other than a couple of people at NVIDIA who are still hopeful. And they were hopeful in the last conference. Right. Uh, now, arm- David, versus AMD and Xilinx, that I don't know. A lot of people are asking me, where are the Chinese of the Xilinx? That one, the expectations are very different. In fact, people expect that is going to get passed. When? But they've had a refile, by the way, because the merger agreement had expired. Oh, jeez. So they had a refile the, between the two parties. Um, but I like, Scott had run out, I think, a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago. But, Jim, on AMD uh, and Xilinx, there still is an expectation it's going to pass. Gonna Just wait for the Chinese. And NVIDIA has been down in part because people still think it's a, a play on crypto, which is barely. I mean, they only give the crypto people the cards that don't work. Crypto, by the way, David, is uh, under fire like I've never seen it, which tells me maybe crypto funds a bottom here. Oh, look at the Xilinx down seven. Who are these people? Who are these people selling down seven? Are they the same people who were selling at uh, 12 o'clock yesterday when the Dow was down 1,100? Who are these people? Like they wake up and they say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to sell. Do I care about the fundamental? No. They are Jeez, both. It's funny. NVIDIA and AMD move very similarly. They're both yes. down roughly 20% so They have nothing so to do with each other. They have some high-performance computing right. overlap, but nothing else. They have nothing to do with each other except that they're your two favorite stocks over the last five years. Well, oh, so that maybe the people, the emoji people, are shooting <laughs> against me. You know, here I am. Come get me. You know, the arrow split the tree. Neil Young. Neil Young. Yes. You know, I just find that these these whole, as Jimmy Chill speaks, this whole move, Carl, uh, toward, they never diversified that much, these people, from AMC and from GameStop. Well, as soon as AMC got the money, and by the way, Adam Aaron's family was able to sell some, that was the end. You know, this big theater next to me, the Regal closed this week. I mean, it's a bad business, but they got their money. Yep. But that was all it was meant to do. It wasn't meant to be invested in, for heaven's sake. Uh, Aaron looks really smart uh, in retrospect. And this smart. journal piece yesterday on Wall Street bets and the number of daily comments plummeting really since the spring. Yeah, well, But that era is, I mean, you well, look at the journal piece, you kind of want to declare it over. Look, it's a year ago, and yeah, you do. I mean, they're pretty much wiped out on attacking me and putting right. my head in an Elizabethan collar, <laughs> you know, and then showing me in a deliverance-like style. It which was a long was period of time, though. There were plenty of people who tried to short AMC and GameStop, but well, only got their heads in. Right. I'm talking long well, after the initial moves up. They're now. Only recently, in this last few months, where they've really gotten shellacked. Well, now they're doing a two-team parlay, or they're trying to uh, buy points that you can do on DraftKings. But, David, as far as owning stocks, they never knew what it was. They just knew that you could break Melvin Castle. That's having a horrible year again, by the way. Really? Yeah. What is that about? 
There's the opening bell and the CNBC real-time exchange at the big board. It is Cadence Bank celebrating its recent name change and merger at the NASDAQ insurance broker WTW. New name and ticker symbol as Brett fills in pretty weak at the open here. Jim, you did tweet a big down open that tests near the lows of yesterday is good. That's what we want. Absolutely. Now, we know that the Fed, blah, blah, blah. When I say Bob, I mean, like, the Fed is going to, you know, Steve Leesman was on our special last night, and he said, look, it's going to be tough. They're going to be, the, you know, it's all negative, negative, negative. Good. I mean, we got to wash out all these people. we got to wash out the diamond hands. Whatever the hell was that anyway? We have to get all these people gone. Now, they're, they're saying, I hate Kramer. Hey, you know, I've been hated since third grade. <laughs> I've been hated since I, I didn't hit the principal with that snowball, but I was suspended. It wasn't me. I don't tattle. But I do find that what's happened is, is that we have real companies that are going down along with the, with the Joker companies. And you have to pick, a, is J&J falling apart? No, J&J's, look at that. J&J's doing really well, uh, but they have a problem. You don't want to go in and get your knee done and, and come back with Omicron. David, that was before we discovered that Omicron, Omicron was is- kind of like a fourth vaccine. Yeah, and thankfully certainly uh, in this part the, of the country. Other than for the comorbidity. When you look at the numbers now on Omicron in this part of the country, it is plummeting. Plummeting. Right, but and look so at J&J. That's great. So J&J was down four the moment it came out. And I'm speaking to J&J and I've known J&J forever. And I'm saying well, it should be down four. Well, it's not. I mean, let's do some thinking before we sell. But it, it, Carl, what's happened is everyone's very depressed. They're all worried. They all think that this whole move is going to repeal because of the Fed. In the meantime, the time to sell was in November when they started all these rolling over. J&J is up. So, no, don't take J&J to 164. You're going to end up getting hurt. You know, at 12 o'clock, you're going to get hurt. But I, I do think I'm going to give you one that I thought was extraordinarily good, American Express. 60% of the new car growth, car growth is millennials. Now, everyone thought that it was over, David. They want, they want the card. They clobbered the 2019 number, and this is going to just blow away, David. Guess what? What? On travel? Yes. For, for business? Yes. You keep waiting for the go-see clients? How about the fact that employees are so far flung that they have to get on planes to go see the headquarters? That is true. You like that? Does that count as business travel? I guess going to the office when you have to fly to get there? Okay. Yes, but that's yeah. the new travel. That's the new business travel. Well, Not going I, to see a going customer. To going to the office. Going to the office. Right, I'm going to leave wherever I am. From, and, from Montana or Idaho. Yeah, Montana, Idaho. Blade, you know, come, you know, yeah. from the I'm going to come for a few days to the office. I'll grace you with my presence. Okay, Thank okay, you so, so much Steve for being Squiri, here. Steve Squiri, 37 years at American Express. Yes. Think I came up with it? No. Thank you. No, I believe it to be true. I'm not questioning right. it. I just think it's an interesting reflection at, of where we are okay, right now. Are people at home right now scared? Well, first of all, they shouldn't be at home. They should be working. Forget that. Are people scared right now about their 401k? Well, how about the idea of investing a little bit right now in your 401k? I mean, I'm frantically trying to invest a little bit in my 401k. I mean, I got all these rules now. But, I mean, I, what am I going to do? Am I going to wait till it's down 20? Why? Yeah. How about down 10? Okay, I'll be ready with a little firepower if yep. it goes down 10. Your, your point's good on Amex specifically, which is, by the way, leading the Dow. Uh, you got a div fight out of there, uh, 20%. It was a great uh, T&E, quarter. T&E, though, still down 18 from nine, from 2019. Well, you yeah. know, that's going to come back. I think that what really matters is that uh, car growth. Uh, look at Ma- Lockheed Martin because the uh, Aerojet General. There's another tra- I mean, I love Jim Tankler, but, but you know, he didn't understand. He didn't read the room. 
What's the matter? Your elbow? No, I'm fine. Because I got some stuff for you. I'm man. sure. I know you got all sorts of medicines. Okay, so look at America's Press. No, the rocket no. died. Wait, wait. You're what, moving rocket too died. quickly. You I mentioned bought rocket Lockheed, died in 1963. You failed to actually mention the news. Do you know news. that I bought it in 63? I, nobody cares. Aerojet Rocketdyne Rocket Holdings uh, Rocket Dine, I bought it. is is uh, you know earlier this month they announced an agreement uh, agreed with the FTC that they would not close the transaction before the 27th of January. Uh, now they've been advised by the FTC its concerns regarding the transaction cannot be addressed adequately by the terms of the proposed consent order, and therefore um, they're going to be potentially sued by the FTC. So that's what the news well, is. That's the new world. Take what's so good well, to Look at what uh, Jonathan Kanner said yesterday, uh, head of antitrust for DOJ, that we're in an era where he believes the government should seek yes. to block a deal rather right. than ask for concessions. That's well, right. we have seen so many where they asked for concessions, they got the concessions, and then people made fortunes. That's right. Well, there's a belief that behavioral remedies are not effective. And so right. it's either go to court and stop it. Or don't. Right. Very much an EU line of thought, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Now, I, again, I want to talk about Merck's Express. Uh, the stock was down badly uh, when the headlines came out. And I, even sp- I like to speak to the company, and the company's asking me, why is it down? And I'm asking them, why is it down? And the answer is, is that it shouldn't be down. But people don't understand that there's a lot of robo-headlines. David, you know, robo They really, oh, the stock was down, whatever. Now, GE, we're going to speak to Larry Cole. Now, that is a very tough call, GE. Yes. What do you mean it's a tough call? Because Sorry, some of the divisions are questionable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when we go over these, we have to remember that these are seasoned companies with seasoned CEOs. These are not companies that are in the play. We have a lot of companies that are never going to be in the playoffs. I mean, like, ever. Okay, like, ever. Uh, they're in that, what, the new football league? Did? USFL. Is there, is there another the new one? one? That's the old one, the USFL. I don't, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. The AFL? I don't know. The, I still put the Boston Shamrocks. Right. Mr. Culp, David, I believe, is ready. Thank you for telling me that, Jim. Well, let's, uh, hey, let's do that. Hey, there's someone beating um, the fellow from New Haven, graduate student. Yes, yes. Where he goes or how he gets nobody there, knows. nobody knows. I just thought That's it was a exciting. reference to Jeopardy and the new person who's taking the number two spot. That's true after Ken Jennings in yeah. terms of, of wins. Uh, Sorry. But uh, that's for another day. What's for right, right now is... <laughs> Shares of GE, which, as you see, are down over 7% under pressure this morning. This after the company did signal continued inflation and supply chain challenges across its businesses in 2022. Joining us now in a CNBC exclusive is Larry Culp. He's the chairman and CEO of GE. And, Larry, it's always good to have you. Uh, First, just give me, you know, the stock is down rather sharply this morning, in part because of disappointment about the reported quarter, perhaps as well continued concern that you voiced about inflation and supply chain. So give me the big picture here. Talk to your investors. Uh, are they correct in selling the stock this morning based on the numbers that you put out? David, good to be with you, gentlemen. Uh, a pleasure. I think what we shared this morning with investors, David, is that we had a strong bottom line finish to 2021. Operating margins up over 200 basis points in the quarter, 400 for the year. We saw a strong cash flow finish in the fourth quarter, 3.7 billion overall. And as we look at it operationally for the year, we came in at $5.8 billion. And that's where a lot of investors were frankly focused during the course of our call, because that's the best mark that I know to measure our underlying operating performance and the strength and the potential across our portfolio. When you couple that with the updated debt reduction, now $87 billion over the last three years in the wake of the AirCap GCAS merger, which we closed in the fourth quarter, 
we're really positioned, I think, to move forward. You saw the announcement 77 days ago with respect to the spins. Yes. But that debt reduction also carried with it an opportunity to simplify our financials. So we go from three-column reporting today to single column. I think that's going to make GE's performance and its potential far more accessible, David, to investors. But admittedly, there's a little bit of noise in taking people through that transition today. So we're hard at that. But I think the feedback we've gotten relative to the program that we've been on and certainly the announcement with respect to setting up these independent industry leaders continues to be strong. And as we look forward, we have a lot of conviction about what we're doing here. Yeah. Well, listen, you've got a lot of transitions to come, obviously, over the next two years with the split that we discussed a couple of months back when it was announced. Let's talk about this year, though, because you did uh, you did cite inflation and supply chain inflation more in one part of your business. Namely, it would appear onshore wind and the grid and supply chain uh, more acute in healthcare. Larry, explain both the impact of inflation on one side and the supply chain on the other. David, when we talk about supply chain, we're really talking about availability of material and labor, be it in our own shops or from our suppliers around the world. We certainly saw, I think, what many, many companies have seen through the course of 2021 with respect to shortages and extended lead times. That was most acute force in healthcare, particularly given the electronic and plastics nature of much of what we buy. We saw in the second half alone probably eight to nine points of core revenue growth fall into 22 because we couldn't ship orders that we had in hand. We're working through that. We saw that in the fourth quarter to a lesser degree in uh, other businesses. We hope that we see that clear in the second half in healthcare and are working hard to control and effective as much of that as we can. Price cost certainly was a pressure force in 21 and will be in 22 as well. That was widespread. We feel steel most particularly in renewables for sure. Uh, But again, I wouldn't focus on any one commodity. I think we're seeing what so many are. It's incumbent upon us to take the cost actions that we have to mitigate that as much as we can and push price where we can as well smartly. And I think we've seen the fourth quarter some progress in that regard. But it does introduce a lot of, of, of least questions for the year ahead, it would seem. I mean, again, you had guidance for this last quarter, which may have been missed a bit. Larry, how confident are you in the numbers that you're putting out there in terms of free cash flow uh, and revenue and margins for 2022? David, I don't put numbers out that I don't have extreme confidence in, right? If you look at what we did in 21, and again, I'm very proud of the work uh, this team did, particularly with respect to generating nearly $6 billion of free cash, we certainly are going to have headwinds. And you, you touched on, too, supply chain and inflationary pressures. We have some other dynamics that we need to work through. But frankly, that's always the case in business. When you look at the strength of these franchises in aviation, a business that's poised for an aviation recovery, we're talking about business travel before I came on, a healthcare business that is seeing strong demand in both the private and in the public sectors, constrained at the moment with new leadership, lots of momentum with respect to new products and commercial execution, that business is getting better every day. And if you look at what's happened in power, where we've seen very good margin expansion, gas turbine utilization is up. We know we've got work cut out for us in renewables, in part because of soft revenues here in the U.S. with the lapsing of the production tax credit. But I think that, too, will resolve itself. So there's a lot of good things going on today. 
maybe a little bit of noise in today's results, but the guide that we offered up, five and a half to six and a half billion of free cash, gives us an opportunity to grow year on year our cash from core operations, despite probably about a billion five of additional headwinds that we didn't talk about from the remainder of capital and the resumption of deliveries with our airframer customers. So all in all, we'll take that environment because I think it sets us up not only for a good 22, but all the more another step forward in 23. So Larry, I'm inclined to like GE, as you know. Uh, you focus on the, let's say, 5.8 billion free cash flow. In the new world, the new world was defined by what happened in November when the Fed wanted to get tight. I'm, I, get tight. I only really care about earnings, frankly. And when I look at earnings and I look at renewable, I don't see earnings. And I'm trying to figure out if I were trying, if I were an acquisitive company, Thermo Fisher, I would call healthcare and say, hey, listen, you know what? Maybe we should do something. Maybe I should buy you. Uh, but when I look at renewable, I think, eh, you know, it's okay, Larry. I mean, maybe it's not really right now business. Jim, it's a business and it's an important business. If you look at what we do in onshore and offshore wind and with the grid, the energy transition won't take place without GE playing a critical role. We need to make it a better business. We get that, you know, on this, if you're from Missouri, I get it. I'm from Nike, we're gonna just do it because we know we've got the backdrop of demand over the medium to long term. We know how to work through the supply chain and these inflationary pressures. There are a whole host of things that are frankly within our control. We'll make progress next year. It won't be a positive print here in 22, unfortunately, but progress in 22 sets us up in 23. And that coupled with what we do in power, where we've run the same playbook, I think with better results, given the, uh, the stability and underlying demand, it may not be a business as it has the profile of aviation or healthcare, but it can still be a good business. It's an important business but it's on us to make it better. All right, I think that's fair because right now when I talk to the utility companies, I mean, everyone's kind of full up. It, you know, they, they just don't need the new power right now versus a healthcare. If you got all the parts you needed, how many MRIs could you sell versus what you're selling now? Well, I don't know about the MRIs in particular, Jim, but again, if you look at the, the, the print, we have probably 800 basis points of core revenue in the back half of, 21 that went missing simply because we didn't have adequate supply. And I don't mean to blame our suppliers. They're working very hard hand in hand with us. Uh, but that suggests a business that is significantly constrained in the face of not only strong market demand, but outstanding relative performance. Uh, Larry, I, I, I bring this up somewhat hesitatingly, but you know Steve Tusa has been right for a long time, or at least was years ago. Uh, he's very critical this morning, the analyst at J.P. Morgan, uh, and I want your response. He says, putting aside the fact that this is the worst disclosure, least transparent set of numbers we've ever seen in 20 years following the group, forcing high-level analysis for now. This is an operating miss on revenue, profit, and orders basis. But respond to Mr. Tusa when he says the worst disclosure they've seen in over 20 years. David, I think if you talk to investors uh, in the community, if you talk to our board, our audit committee, our auditors, our internal team, I think all of us are proud of the improvements that we have made in our reporting and our transparency. And that, uh, that pride and that commitment to moving forward uh, stands today. So I, I think our record and our disclosures today, our upcoming 10K, uh, stand on their own. 
Uh, and I think in the clear light of day, I think people see the progress that we're making. They appreciate the transparency, understand the transition out of GE Capital creates a little bit of near-term noise. Uh, and that's the audience that we're most focused on, frankly. Right. I mean, I guess there are those who still feel like they can't get a sense for the total earnings power or the earnings power of the total business right, right that's now. What, yes, that's you what know? we're focused on. Yeah. And what so, is the earnings power? There you go. So we'll both ask the question, Larry. Well, I think the earnings power is a combination of what we've just talked about relative to the, the core growth that we see in the business. We, we talked today about high single-digit growth in 22. Margin expansion, we've talked about 150 basis points at least of additional margin expansion in 22 with very good cash conversion, right? And that's a good thing. Let's be clear. More cash generated is, is a good thing. And that's how we get to the five and a half to six and a half billion dollar range that we've talked about for this year, despite the billion five of headwinds. And we reiterated today our confidence that we can continue to drive those operational levers to yield $7 billion of cash in 23. Now, I think we'll see right. our cash conversion normalize over time. But again, because we've got an aviation recovery very much in the early innings, a healthcare, a high margin, high growth healthcare business that is supply constrained at the moment, I think the setup here is, is strong. All right. Well, we will leave it there. Uh, and as you know, always appreciate your willingness to take time, uh, take the tough questions. Larry Culp, CEO and chairman of GE, thank you. When we come back this morning, Raytheon's Greg Hayes on earnings as well. We'll talk about some geopolitical tensions and a lot more. Stocks down about one and a third percent this morning. Time for the bond report as we continue to keep an eye on real rates. Uh, rising once again, got the 10-year almost back to 175. And the Dow's down 550 to start this Tuesday. Don't go away. S&P holding 43.18 here. Uh, yesterday's intraday low, 42.22 about 90 points below these levels. Jim, one idea, uh, Fundstrat last night, for example, said if you're aggressive, use yesterday's intraday low as a stop out. You, would you go that far? I think that you don't want to shoot until you see the whites of the intraday low. And I didn't like, I mean, there are a lot of people that understand it's a long day. So they see at 945, the market looks like it's holding. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. You have to have most of this move erased. Uh, and then you have to start looking at things, uh, if not all the move race. And the reason is because it was a crescendo sell-off. It was a climax. And there are a lot of people who don't believe in them. You know, last night we had a quote from Mike Wilson saying, I don't think anyone felt good after the close. I, I, I disagree with that because I now found where there's a level where you can buy more. We're not buying a single stock for the Chapel Trust because we bought a lot at, at, at lows. So what are we doing? Are they come in today and buy at the same level? That's a fool's game. So I think it's... Just wait. I mean, there's nothing going to run away. Do you even want to step in front of what Powell may say tomorrow? Or? Oh, I don't mind that. You don't mind that? No, he's Jay Powell. I mean, Jay has a history of being considered. Uh, he's not trying to save the stock market. That's never been the issue. He's just considered. Really? He wasn't trying to save the stock market? And, oh, I don't know, all well, along? After, well, if you destroy the stock market, you can save it. That's uh -huh. different. He's now better. Hey, you know what? Let's talk to a real business guy. All right, let's do it. You know what? Let's I'm talking do about it. a guy. I'm talking about Greg Hayes. Raytheon Technologies, now RTX, reported what some regard as a mixed quarter, beating on earnings per share, um, missing on revenues, 
Uh, we have to define all these things because a lot of these things are just robo-analysis. So joining us now is Greg Hayes, Raytheon Technologies Chairman and CEO. Greg, I always appreciate you coming on. I was going to say good times and bad, but I thought it was good. What do I know? You know, I mean, I'm just looking. You got to say that you got that good backlog and you've got really you've got aerospace, uh, commercial airspace looking pretty darn good. Look, I think, you know, I would say, you know, we had a really, really solid fourth quarter. I think obviously earnings per share looked really good. We had a good solid beat on the bottom line. Top line, uh, not quite as good as what we had expected, a little bit because we did a divestiture uh, in the fourth quarter that we hadn't anticipated closing so soon. But also, I'd say we had some supply chain issues, which also impacted um, the the top line, if not so much the bottom line. So um, as I think about it, though, a lot of momentum in the business. As you said, Commercial Aero is recovering nicely. It's continuing to to drive solid growth at Pratt and Collins Aerospace. And the defense businesses, huge backlog, over $60 billion, total backlog over $150 billion for RTX. So I feel really good about where we are today. All right, so let's talk about commercial. A lot of people are seeing the problems with Boeing. The Boeing problems are writ large. We talk about them a lot. But if you're levered to Airbus, uh, how's business? Look, business is good on the OE side if you're uh, focused on the A320 like Pratt & Whitney is. And I think that's the, that's the, the best uh, game in town right now. Obviously, uh, you know, the 737 is still a very good aircraft. They've got a solid backlog of about 4,000 orders. But Airbus has a backlog of about 7,000 orders. And obviously, we, uh, we, uh, we like this A320. We like our position there with the uh, geared turbofan engine. And uh, we're going to continue to take advantage of that in the coming years as, uh, as Airbus ramps production back up to, uh, I'd say, pre-pandemic levels here in the next uh, couple of years. All right. Let's talk about defense. We have the people talking about a hot war in, in, uh, in Ukraine. Uh, people obviously seeing that 36 planes over uh, flew over Taiwan airspace the other day. Are we spending enough on defense? And do we have anything that would make it so if you inserted 8,000 American soldiers into Ukraine, they can stop 103,000 Russian soldiers? Yeah, I think yeah, obviously everybody understands the answer to that is it's, it's, it's more symbolic than it is strategic with 8,500 versus 100,000. Obviously, you know, we have some certain uh, defensive uh, weapon systems that we could supply, which could be helpful, like the Patriot missile system. But at the end of the day, look, nobody wins in this war. And I think uh, the Russians have to understand that calculus as well. One of our core mission, of course, we're, we're, about, we're about supporting the warfighter and helping our allies and our country defend democracy around the world. Uh, we've got the technologies to help in these, uh, these engagements, whether it's the Patriot system, some of the radar systems, some of the other effectors that we have. But at the end of the day, we have a strong defense as a deterrent to try and prevent things like this from spinning out of control. So the hope is we don't end up with a hot war. And if we do, uh, it will be costly on both sides. Uh, Greg, it's David. Um, I just want to uh, focus you on some news from this morning, which is, uh, you know, the FTC may be moving to stop the proposed uh, uh, acquisition of uh, Aerojet Rocketdyne by uh, your competitor, Lockheed Martin. You've made no secret of the fact that you don't want that deal to happen. Strangely, Elizabeth Warren seems to have been in your corner as well. Give me your reaction to that and why. Why do you feel that that deal would have been anti-competitive? I think you have to take a look at the the market. And there really are only two rocket motor providers uh, in the country that we all rely on. Uh, ATK, ATK, Orbital ATK was one. 
They were acquired by Northrop a couple of years ago. Uh, and the other, of course, was uh, was Rocket, or Aerojet Rocketdyne. And having a strategic supplier like that owned by our uh, biggest competitor, uh, we thought would be problematic uh, from a com competition standpoint. Even with a consent decree, uh, it's still problematic in terms of who gets a who gets the supply when there's a shortage? Is it going to be the company that owns you or the other company that you have to supply in the marketplace? And so again, we, uh, we understand um, the difficulty of getting deals done today uh, in the defense space, uh, probably further consolidation, not on the table in the near term. Um, but we fully believe uh, that the, the FTC's decision is exactly right. Having an independent supplier of a key component, which is rocket motors, absolutely essential to providing a level playing field for all of us out there in the, in the defense space. Does it set us back in terms of hypersonic and our competition with the Chinese? No, not what, not, not, not whatsoever. In fact, the hypersonic uh, weapon system that we demonstrated last year had a scramjet engine, which was provided by Northrop Grumman. Uh, it's not a, a, a rocket motor uh, driven, uh, at least in terms of the hypersonic uh, profile of the flight. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, uh, Aerojet Rocketdyne will continue as a, as, a, as a robust business. Whether it changes hands down the road, I can't tell you, but we're investing. They're going to continue to invest and Lockheed's going to continue to invest in hypersonics because that is uh, the next great uh, technology that we're going to have to uh, pursue. Well, let's talk about that, Greg, because I think technology still matters. Uh, this weekend, uh, UAE gets hit uh, with some missiles. You spend $2 million on a Patriot missile for something that costs about, I don't know, 500 maybe $1,000. But you have a laser technology, which to me sounds uh, very useful, but also kind of unbelievable. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so here's the, the problem that the Saudis have found and that the folks at the UAE have found is, you know, they've got Patriot missile defense systems out there. They've got the Gem-T missile. But those missiles, as you say, cost about $2 million a round. And if you're taking out a drone that's 1000 to $5,000, um, that math doesn't work for very, uh, very long. And so what we have been working on for the last couple of years is a high-energy laser system, which actually gets mounted on a four-wheel drive vehicle with a turret and it can direct a 50 kilowatt beam of energy, a laser, uh, on a target like a drone and within about two seconds destroy it. Uh, cost per engagement, almost nothing. Repeatability, very, very high. Uh, the problem, of course, right now is we've got to get them into final production. Uh, we've got some demonstrator units today with the Army. Uh, it's a great, great tool. Uh, and the folks of the UAE are dying to, to get their hands on them. So we're going to continue to work with the, with the DOD to see how what we can do to license that to the to the folks in the Middle East, but it is, the, I would say, the most cost-effective way to fight an asymmetric war, which is what these drones end up being. Well, look, I, you know, these, this is the kind of things we need, particularly because of what's going on around the world. I want to thank you, Greg Hayes, for coming on. Uh, I think that Thanks, Jim. Thanks, David. Bye. There we go. Sure, thank you. Um, and, uh, thank you, guys. There we go, Carl. Thank you. Jim, what are you going to do tonight? Well, you know, I, geez, I have so much scumbag. I got Verizon tonight. You know, David, we always want to look at how Verizon's doing. Absolutely. And we didn't mention it. The stock has been did, holding up. That's been, now that was actually, my bid. I should have it. It is now it. actually down. I don't know. I haven't looked at the call. Inline numbers, by okay. the way. Okay. And then we've got Logitech. And this is a company that's up. You know, these are all the cool things that you use to be able to do gaming and a lot of other stuff for a business at home. I, Hans Vesper on our show. I finally won one versus everybody else. <laughs> I mean, everybody's too. got everything except for me. I'm happy. I am happy. I won. Ha, ha, ha. All right. We'll see you at 6, Jim. Okay. I have Mad Money with Jim Cramer, 6 p.m. Eastern time.
You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.